Good morning. Many years ago, many, many years ago, I wonder how many many's I I should actually put into this sentence. Um, When I was a student, so it is many years ago, um, I spent a summer working uh, near Keswick in an outdoor activity centre. Uh, which uh, children went on for the week. And uh, those young people would uh, enjoy many different things. Some would go kayaking on Derwent water. Uh, Some would go climbing and abseiling. There were BMX bikes, uh, gill scrambling, spot of archery different things, and different people had their favourite thing, their thing that they preferred to do, both among the kids that came and among the adults. I was not particularly proficient at any of these, and uh, my Uh, I was always thankful that we had qualified instructors that actually led those more challenging ones. Um, But my favourite morning of the week was usually the Monday. On a Monday morning, assuming the weather was all right, we would go for a little walk. And the, the walk would take us up Cozy Pike, which is just over 2,000 foot and fairly steep and it caused much puffing and panting among those that hadn't grown up walking up and down hills but it wasn't that that it was one small bit that I could actually do that uh, some of the others couldn't but it was when you got to the top when you got to the top of the mountain you had a view. You could see far beyond where you could at the bottom of the valley. When you got up there, you could see almost the whole of the Lake District Fells. You could uh, look to Skiddaw or down to Helvellyn. You could look down into the Derwent Valley, and perhaps even look really north and across towards Carlisle and get a hint of the Scottish hills. Or maybe that was just my imagination. With height comes the ability to see further. As you go up a hill, you can see a bit further, and a bit further, and a bit further, until you're at that top, and you can look all around and see a great distance. You're not like the bear that climbed up the mountain, and what do you think he saw? The other side of the mountain. There's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. 
you get a proper feeling of the lie of the land. You see what's beyond, you see where you are going. And this is what happens here. Within Matthew's Gospel, we see Jesus return again and again to the hills, to the mountains. Matthew uses the word mountain or mountainside about 11 times, which is more than Luke and John do in their Gospels put together. There's this sense of going up there. And Jesus goes to meet with God in the tranquility of such surroundings, away from the crowds that had been following him, but also to bring forth a new teaching or a new plan, to bring forth a new encounter, to move his journey onwards. To the early readership of Matthew, this would give a reminder of Moses, who would go to the mountain. He went to the mountain and encountered the burning bush and God spoke to him and called him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And later on the mountain he receives the tablets, the ten commandments and then further teaching of the law. The mountain is that place where the instruction comes The disciples have been obedient in returning to Galilee and returning to a mountainside. And here they meet the resurrected Lord. But some of these 11, although having made the effort to travel, although having gone out for this walk with their friends, are going don't know about this. There's doubts. There are doubts. And perhaps they are doubting in the same way we remember Thomas doubts what his friends have told him. That the Lord has risen. Or maybe they're doubting just because they can't quite make out what they're seeing. A bit like the time when the disciples were in the boat at night and they saw a figure walking towards them upon the water. And they were scared of what they could see. But the passage today does not linger on this issue of doubt. Instead, It says Jesus came to them. He doesn't stay at a distance. He comes close. And the words he shares, although being words of challenge, also have a sense of reassurance. There is hope here. There's comfort. The only other time Matthew says that Jesus came to them was another time on a mountainside at the Lord's transfiguration. When Jesus comes to us, he says, do not be afraid. When Jesus comes close, he brings his peace. When Jesus comes, there is hope.
the first time in this gospel, however, that we see Jesus on a mountain. It is not with God. But it is because he has been taken there by Satan to be tempted right at the start of the earthly ministry, at the end of those 40 days in the wilderness. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. I wonder how often we bow down to what the earth might offer rather than trusting in what the Father in his great love, in his great generosity, has offered the believer. Here today, uh, what Matthew suggests is the the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. Jesus declares what he has received from the Father. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is far beyond what the evil one had offered. The devil had said, these nations might be yours. But the Father has given all authority over the nations and the heavens. the spiritual realm, as well as the earth. And this gives us a vision of the Jesus that we will see on his return. It's a vision that accords with that of Daniel in Daniel 7, who said of the Son of Man that he saw in a dream. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power all nations and all peoples of every language worshipped him. That was Daniel's dream. But it has not yet come to fullness. The risen Jesus has a universal lordship over the whole of creation. And there is, as a result of this. The Great Commission is to go beyond what the people were previously told to go to. Jesus had earlier sent out his disciples. He told them to go, to go and bring healing, to go and share the good news that the kingdom was near. But when the twelve had been sent out to share the good news, Jesus had sent them to the lost sheep of Israel. And specifically, he'd said, don't go to the Gentiles, don't go to the Samaritans. The word here, the key word is to all. He has authority over all nations. The message is to go out to all people. And that word for nations is ethne, which is where we get our word for ethnic. All different people. 
in the Greek, and it probably had an understanding of the Gentiles at this time. Uh, but it goes beyond that. It's to all people that are not Jews. And that's an extension of what the old message used to be. It used to be to go to the Jews. Now it is that group plus all nations, all ethnic groups, all people, all individuals, and seek to make them disciples and baptize them and teach them all that has been commanded. So there's two important concepts about this instruction that Jesus is giving. And disciple is not someone who merely knows of Jesus. It is a person whose life is being shaped by Jesus. Someone who is ready to grow in their relationship with him and serve him by taking the message onwards to make yet more disciples. The hope is not just for you, but is the hope for the world. It wasn't just for the 11 that were on that hillside. It was a hope for the world by spreading and spreading and spreading in a chain reaction sort of way. Each one of us telling more people. We are to be disciples, following in the footsteps of the twelve, being the close friends of Jesus in the world today. The second concept is that of baptism and learning about Jesus. These together are the path to discipleship. The baptism is an act of commitment and repentance. And it is made in the name, not the names, but the name, singular, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It reminds us that we worship one God who is three persons. The teaching is reminding us that although we are treated with a freedom in life to do as we will, we are called by God to live in a certain way, to structure ourselves. That was the message given way back by God through Moses to his people in a set of commandments. Jesus came that the law might be fulfilled. And when asked, he said the greatest commandment, the first and greatest commandment, was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he gave a second commandment too. And that second was to love your neighbor as yourself. Again, Jesus is directing us to think of how we might live 
a worshipful life. But the command to love our neighbours pushes us onwards. It pushes us outwards. It pushes us because love is not passive, but is an active thing. Something that we engage in. Now, if this was a marriage preparation class, or if I was giving you a book about what marriage is like, within that, there would be uh, something about expressions of love, five languages of love. And they're loving words and kind actions and quality time and thoughtful presence and physical affection. That's how you show love in a relationship. It's how you tell the people that you are close to that you have something in your heart for them. And this is what we should be showing towards our neighbours. Now, obviously, if you're talking of loving our neighbour rather than loving our wife or husband, that fifth one about physical affection is going to be in a slightly different way. But my point is loving is doing more than just avoiding things and not doing wrong. It requires us to do right, to care for other people, and to show that care in how we live, to respond to them. Not because we expect something in return, but because we love. Because our heart is one of love. Our heart is a heart of action. A heart of sacrifice. So our challenge this day and each day is to consider how we play our part in the world. Our part in the Great Commission. How do you leave the mountain that is this place of worship, this place of being in the presence of Jesus, to play your part in the Great Commission? What is the route Jesus reveals to you? Will you go worshipping God? Will you yourself be a committed disciple? Who are you going to love? And how will you express that love? You're not called to do that journey by yourself. You're not called to go out and be alone. Because Jesus gives you a reassurance. We are not abandoned to simply muddle through. But like those 11 on the Galilean hillside, Jesus is with us. He is with us to the very end of the age.
So seek his wisdom. Follow his will. And do his work with love. Amen.